Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing this podcast with your friends and um, subscribing and all that kind of stuff, man. It just means a lot to me. So today we're talking about a topic that we need to explore so much more than we do, and it's about body positivity. So you may or may not be familiar with this phrase. In pop culture, it's a pretty normal thing to say people want to be what they call body posy or body positive. And it's really the idea that you love the way you look. But in Christian circles, we really do not talk about our physical appearance very much. And, you know, at some level, there's good reason for that because obviously a lot of people don't want to be vain. They don't want to um, feel like they're, you know, prioritizing something that God doesn't prioritize and every other reason that's out there. But I think, especially for those women that are listening, but even for some men, I think we have got to embrace how we look, and we need to have a healthy perspective on how we are evaluating ourselves from a physical nature. So let me tell you a story. I am a tall person. If you know me in person, you know that. I'm like six feet tall. You know, my brother, who's slightly shorter than me, uh, insists that I'm six one, and um, they claim to have measured me at one point. I'm going off of my last time a doctor measured me when I was six feet tall. So I'm six feet tall and I've always just been a big framed person. And, you know, as life would go on, my best friends in high school, junior high, they were all like five to six inches shorter than me. So, you know, I'm very used to being the tall one out in a crowd. But because I'm larger, I have also had um, a larger frame. So, you know, when I was growing up, there was this store. I don't know. Some of you guys that are 80s, 90s kids might remember it. It's called 579. It doesn't exist anymore. And basically, these are the sizes they carried. Five, size five, size seven, size nine. And all of my friends shopped at this store. Well, you know, when I was in junior high, I was not at nine. I was like a 12, you know. And so my mom would take me to places like Talbot's and Talbot's today is how Talbot's was 20 something years ago. It was not cool, Um, but we lived in a town where there wasn't a lot of places to shop for teens and for young girls that weren't like for adult women. Oh, it was so aggravating, but I digress. So my perception all of my life was that I was sort of the odd one out, that if we wanted to have matching clothes, it wasn't going to happen because I just could not wear the same size as my friends. Now, as I grew up into high school, that became an asset for me because people thought I was an adult just by the way that I looked and carried myself. But it took me a really long time to embrace my physical appearance without a sense of shame, 
without there being a twinge of, you know, or an element of what I would change. So what I began to do in college was I actually started feeling really convicted about how much I didn't like the way that I looked. So I started experimenting with different things. I cut my hair differently. I tried different, you know, clothing styles, all trying to be able to look at myself in the mirror and be pleased or to be, you know, at least remotely satisfied. And I really, shortly after college, began to wage war on the negativity that was in my mind when I would see myself in the mirror. So I just began to accept, listen, this is who I am, and I don't want to spend my life hating myself. Now, you guys have heard in other episodes where I've talked about my breakdown in 2011, and honestly, um, one of the things that I emerged from was that I was convinced that I had to accept my physical appearance. I had kind of let go of my care about it, so I didn't really care anymore, but sometimes that's the same issue on a different side of the pendulum swing. So here's what I want to say first and foremost to everyone listening. Your worth is not found in your waist size. Your worth is not found in your waist size. What does this mean? The size of your body has nothing to do with how valuable you are as a person. But here's what I want us to look at today. Your physical body responds to what's going on in your life. So it is true. There are people out there who are genetically designed by just the nature of their DNA to be small, petite framed people, right? We all know them. People who eat like the buffet is, you know, going to end and they're not going to be able to eat again for two weeks. I mean, they eat so many calories. It never shows on their physical body. And those are the unicorns of the world. And it's a little bit unfair. And I would say to you right now, if that's not you, don't you dare compare yourself to someone like that, because that is biology. That is genetics. You know, if we, uh, it's like a soapbox for me. I spent so much of my life comparing myself to someone who just by the nature of my DNA, I could never be like, do yourself a favor right now into that comparison game once and for all. But our physical body, you know, it goes through a lot. It goes through a lot of stages and a lot of um, challenges. And for a lot of people who are overweight, you're carrying extra weight because you're carrying a lot more than just the pounds. You know, um, I remember being uh, having my first kid. And um, honestly, you know, I look back at how I looked pre-parenting, pre-motherhood. And I'm like, man, I would give a lot to have that body now with the mind frame that I have now. I wasted all of my best, you know, sort of prime like um, sizing. If we're going to go on that worldly scale, I wasted that on the worst mental health. You know, I wish I had a a better perspective. But the truth of the matter is when you're 15, 16, 17, when you're 20, you know, your body is is still young. It's still developing. And as you grow, you're going to let go of that for most of us. Um, So here's what happened to me. I had my first kid and then. Then I, uh, a friend of mine was becoming a personal trainer. So I let him train me to, to practice his art and I lost all the baby weight and it was awesome. And then we moved to Oklahoma and we were trying to have another kid and it took about nine months for me to get pregnant with my second child. And in that time, you know, if anybody's ever tried to have a baby, it is so hard to manage your weight because you're going on this like mental cycle that's crazy where for two weeks of the month you think you're pregnant and then the next two weeks of the month you're strategizing how you're going to get pregnant and it's just a very difficult thing to carry or in your mind and so nine months of this goes by and we unfortunately lived on the same block as a McDonald's and I had gained all of that weight back um, and then I got pregnant 
Oh my gosh. So that was, I don't know, like 2009, something like that, 2009, 2010. So I was starting the second pregnancy at a way deficit. Then I had that baby eight months later, got pregnant with my third, four months after he was born, got pregnant with my son Kingston, who we eventually lost um, at 20 weeks. And it's just been this crazy cycle ever since. And from then on, my physical body has been through so much. I've almost died a couple of times. I've had some major health issues. Why do I say all of that? Because if you're going to evaluate your physical appearance, you have to take into account the emotional challenges you've been through, the physical challenges that you've been through, whether you've had an injury or something like that, you have to take all of that into account, even your spiritual challenges, because a lot of us turn to food as a source of comfort. I read a study years ago about addiction, and it was talking about how people um, who are who struggle with addiction, most addictions center around the mouth, whether it's cigarettes or um, tobacco or uh, food, you know, a lot of the things that we are addicted to, um, center around the mouth. And this study was really going to the mouth is the source of comfort when you're a baby, you know, a pacifier, um, you know, when you're eating, all of this goes through the mouth and it's very comforting to you. And even as adults at some level, that's true. I was like, wow, that's a really compelling perspective. So your body goes through a lot for some people, the struggle, they, they think their struggle is with weight and the physical pounds, but really the struggle is in the emotional place with how you view yourself. How much during the day are you shaming yourself? Are you condemning yourself? Are you feeling bad about who you are just because of how you look? Listen, if we're going to have a positive perspective on our physical body, it's going to begin with embracing what you have been through in your life. You have to embrace it, you know, for, as a side note, for those who have had sexual trauma in their life, who have had, um, been assaulted or been molested or abused as children, or even, um, you know, uh, older than that, there is a major connection between being heavier set and having sexual trauma in your past. That doesn't mean that every person who struggles with their physical, you know, weight, um, that that's the case, but there's an element of like psychological challenge that happens when you've been victimized in that way. So if you're going to have a positive view of yourself, it's got to start with understanding what you've been through with giving yourself grace because of the life that you've lived. Now, I'm not saying that we enable ourselves to continue to live incredibly unhealthy lives, but I am saying that we give ourselves permission to embrace what was. For example, when I began to really quit shaming myself and feeling bad about the way that I looked, it was when I chose to say, you know what? This body has been through a lot. It has been through a lot and it has healed and it has recovered, but it's not ever going to be the way that it was when I was seven, eight years old, free of all of these blemishes that have happened to me. And I know for you, you have to come to that same place. The other thing that I had to do was that in reality, most Christian celebrities, and what I mean by that is like the pastors and the people who we kind of look up to who have national or global reaches, you know, most of them are of a body type that's pretty fit. And I know that a number of them really do focus on making healthy choices and stuff like that. But there's the subtle lie that God's favor rests on a certain body type as well. 
And I just want to say to you that that is also not true. So, um, you know, I had to come to terms with this in my own life. I remember one day I was saying something to the Lord about how I was trying so hard to lose some extra weight and um, really in an unhealthy way. And I felt like the Lord said to me, you don't believe that my favor could rest on you if you were fat. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, Lord, I don't know that I would have ever thought that, but that's a hundred percent true. I have felt, you know, now that you're saying that I have definitely felt like you wouldn't put your favor on me if I wasn't um, looking smaller than I do look now. Listen, we have to wage war on those thoughts because they're not biblical. It's not the way that we're designed to live. Now, that being said, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 has this really interesting um, statement, and I'm going to read it to you out of the Passion Translation, which you know is, is not so much a translation as much as a paraphrase, but it's very beautiful. Here's what it says. Have you forgotten that your body is now the sacred temple of the spirit of holiness who lives in you? You don't belong to yourself any longer. For the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside your sanctuary. Now, obviously, this is, you know, a side note. Obviously, this applies to those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you are listening to this and you have not given your life to Jesus, then this doesn't really apply. And then verse 20, it says this, You were God's expensive purchase, paid for with tears of blood. So by all means, then, use your body to bring glory to God. I love this verse because the human body was actually designed to house the Holy Spirit. It's designed to be a temple. So in the Old Testament, when God asked the Israelites to build a temple, he actually built the pattern of the temple to be a natural parallel to how the physical body would become the temple of the Holy Spirit after the resurrection of Jesus. So the Old Testament temple looks like this. It has three different sort of layers to it. So it's a large rectangle and it has this thing we call the outer court. And the outer court was where the market and merchants would be. People could go in and out. And it was, you know, the outer part. You were sort of like the church lobby. And then there was the inner court, which is where the um, services would happen, where the reading of the word would happen, where the sacrifices would happen. And the inner court was a holy place. Think like the auditorium or the sanctuary of your church. And the ministry would happen there. And then There was this third component, a much smaller part called the Holy of Holies. And this was a room that had a curtain in it that was six inches thick. That's like one enormous, enormous hamburger, like a New York City style hamburger, six inches thick of fabric. And it separated where the holiness of God or the presence of God would dwell. So the Ark of the Covenant was in there. I'm combining loads of scripture right now to give you this picture. So I'm sorry, I can't cite one reference, but the Ark of the Covenant was in there, which is where the manifest presence of God would dwell. So his actual spirit would be like it was housed there. And so the only person who was allowed to go behind that curtain was the high priest. And he had all these rules that he could and couldn't do of things for his life to keep him holy so that he could approach God. And he was only allowed to go into that room one day a year. What they would do is actually tie a rope around his waist with a little bell on it. And the rope would be held by someone else outside of the Holy of Holies, just in case the high priest had some sort of an accident or died and they could pull him out without going in there. That's how sacred it was. So now your physical body, for those of you who have given your life to Jesus, your physical body is the temple. 
So in the same way that there was an outer court, we have an outer part of our body, the flesh. And then we have this inner court or what we would call our soul. And our soul houses our mind, our will, our emotions. It's sort of the supernatural glue between this physical realm and the supernatural realm of God. And then you have the the Holy of Holies, which is where your spirit and the Holy Spirit reside on the innermost places of you. It's really fascinating when we begin to look at how important our physical body is to God, how important it is to treat our body like, well, like a temple, like a house for his presence, for his holiness. I want to say to you, don't be so hard on yourself to lose weight or to be at this certain standard because you think that's what's right. I encourage you to choose health because you're capable of loving yourself and because you're capable of treating your body like a temple. So for me, I I've gone in and out of different, you know, components of my health journey. And about a year and a half ago, I decided I wanted to make choices, small choices to be healthy and move myself to being healthier on a gradual, um, perspective. So, you know, I had done different things like full Turkey, you know, cold Turkey or full stop diets and stuff like that. And, you know, it has its place, but for me, I realized I needed to change my perception of how I viewed my physical body of what my goals were. In other words, I didn't want my goal to be a certain size because that's what society accepts. I want my goal to be that I'm making healthy choices, that I'm choosing to fuel my temple so that I can do more for God, that I'm choosing not to indulge in like the unhealthy foods um, when I'm needing comfort. I'm not wanting to sort of satisfy the the complexities of life in what I'm eating. I want to view myself correctly. So, you know, I'm not going to share the details of how I do that because it's kind of unique to me and it's a journey that I've been on with Jesus trying to carve that out for myself. But I can tell you that I've never felt better in my perception of my physical self. I'm not exactly where I want to be, you know, in my long-term goals, but I'm on my way, which is an amazing feeling because because there is no shame. It's not riddled with some sort of condemnation. I'm not telling myself that I have some sort of fatal flaw because I can't do this or that. I got out of that game altogether and really made this about me and you, God. And how do you want me to eat? How do you want me to focus? And so I'm not depriving myself. I'm indulging myself on who Jesus is. There's a really interesting book. It's on my list to read for this year. So I have not read it, but I do want to quote something from it to you. Um, And it's called The Body by Bill Bryson. So again, I haven't read this book. I've only heard this one quote. But when I heard this, it stuck with me for several weeks. And here's what it says. Unlike the heart or a kidney, skin never fails. Our seams don't burst. We don't spontaneously sprout leaks. The skin consists of an inner layer called the dermis and an outer layer called the epidermis and the outermost layer, which catch this guys, is made up entirely of dead cells. It is an arresting thought that all that makes your body lovely is deceased. Where body meets air, we are all cadavers. Isn't that crazy? The part that society is ooing and aahing over that we are saying is so beautiful is actually dead cells. 
I find this mind blowing. In fact, when I heard this quote for the first time, I instantly began to think about how we crucify our flesh, how we die to the flesh and and how in the spirit with God, our flesh is dead. And I was like, wow, this is crazy that the innermost parts of our physical body, our heart, our vital organs, they are so alive and they are hidden away inside of this shell that is all dead cells. And it's exactly like that with God. We are our spirit, the part of us that's alive, going back to what I was telling you about with the temple. The holy of holies in your heart is the most alive part of you. It's the most eternal part of you. And it is housed inside of this body that is going to and is currently decaying. So we have to really wrap our minds around the truth of God, that what is valuable and loving and lovely, first and foremost, is your heart. It is who you are in your spirit. So that's why we can say it is a rat race and it's not worth pursuing your external beauty at the sake of your soul. But at the same time, we live from the inside out, right? And so as we better our heart, as we allow God to take up more residence inside of us, as we grow in those areas, then we actually get to experience health moving from the inside to the outside. So here's why I even gave a podcast to this. It's not to make you feel like you need to go on some sort of diet. It's not to remind you of the New Year's resolution that you set out and have now forgotten about. It's to say that the subtle things that are eating away at you, that make you feel condemned, that make you feel less than, that make you feel ugly, those have to be identified and dealt with so that the beautiful person that you are can emerge. If you are someone who is like trying to lose weight and you are really struggling with that journey, I want to encourage you, change your perspective on your why. Change your vision on why you're doing it. Here's an an interesting thing I've been thinking about for myself a lot lately. I was having a conversation with a friend uh, a, a year or two ago. And he's had a lot of back problems. He has a a significant back injury. And uh, he was telling me, um, he said, you know, my doctor and I were talking about how I need to lose about 10 pounds. And I'm looking at him and I'm going, you, you, you know, you might only have 10 pounds to lose. Like he's very, you know, fit looking guy. And so I said, "Um, I don't think you need to lose weight. That's a really interesting thought. And he said to me, it's not that I don't like the way I look. He said, my doctor explained it to me like this. Every 10 pounds that I can lose is 100 pounds of pressure that's released off of my spine. And I thought about that for so long. And it's really true. It's not about losing weight so that we can be at some sort of ideal, socially acceptable size. But if you're struggling with physical ailments, then every pound that you lose is alleviating pressure off of your joints so that you can live a more full and free life. That was one of the most compelling things for me as I renewed my mind, specifically related to um, health and, and weight loss. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to chase a certain waistband. I'm not going to chase a certain number on the scale. I'm going to chase living my best life with Jesus. And if I need to shed some extra weight so that I can be faster and freer, then that's what I need to do. And so my goal is to live more in line with who God called me to be, not trying to live up to some sort of societal standard. And I'm just telling you, it is so much more freeing 
and so much more effective to look at food and health from that perspective. So those of you guys that know me well, you know, I'm not a health nut. Like I I am still on my journey. I'm still learning how to let go of foods that I really, really love that aren't good for me. So I'm not saying this to you as an expert. I'm saying this to you as someone who's on this journey and who has been able to find a way to love myself regardless of what I look like, to be able to say to my body, thank you for being used to bring babies into the world. Thank you for not dying on me when you had the chance. Thank you for recovering in all these different um, ways that you've recovered from the stuff that I've been through and be able to embrace who I am without any shame, without any sense of, you know, this fatal flaw. And that's what I want for you. So I'm praying for you about this. I'm praying that you would find it easy to say yes to Jesus and whatever it is health-wise that he's asking you to do. I'm praying that you would have so much revelation about your body being the temple and that it would light a fire for you to let more of his holiness come into your life. And um, yeah, that's all we've got for today. So until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.